We often don't realize that we are the key to our own happiness and that happiness starts with healing and transformation. Whether you need healing, guidance, clarity, understanding, or just some honest sister talk to feel connected, heard, and supported, you are welcome and safe here. So join the conversation and be healed. Welcome to Soul Healing Conversations with your host, Roz Kincaid. Well, hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Soul Healing Conversations. I'm your host, Roz Kincaid, and I thank you all for tuning in with me today. So today, I'm going to be talking about a topic that's near and dear to my heart, but has given me some trouble throughout the years. Yes, today I am talking about money. I'm talking about that almighty dollar dollar bill, (laughs) y'all. And listen, if you've been following me on social media for any amount of time here lately, you've probably been seeing me talk a lot about money. Well, that's because, honestly, it's time that we address money in this community and we start to do the work to free ourselves from the wounds and the limited thinking around money so that we can rightfully experience the highest level of abundance. Like, if we are walking around here saying that we are fragments of God and we come from God and we are source and we believe that then we need to get ourselves behind the idea and the fact that we can be as abundant just as source is so there's that so the other reason that I am talking about money is because I've partnered with Julian Cross and Hill of Priest of Anana and created a 12-week program on money and abundance. It's called Abundantly Being, and this program is for you if you fear you are fearful about spending money and receiving money, you are doubtful about money showing up on time or money not showing up. You have shame around money where you keep a lot of debt and you're embarrassed about it, or you tend to, in all honesty, hide money or hoard money, or you find yourself like manifesting money under pressure and taking frantic action with money, or you just don't trust God or source to come through and provide the money that you need and you feel pressure around money to go out there and hustle and paper chase and do all the the frantic and pressurized things that you know to do to to get money or you want some manifestation support tools and strategies for your money well we have created this program specifically for you if you identify with that so this program inclu- includes live group calls, uh, guided meditations, we got yoga routines, lots of money mindset work. We have some human design in there. There's all kinds of valuable and fun stuff in this program. And if you've been struggling to call in money, hold money, create abundance for yourself, or again, you're fearful of not having money, then this program is exactly for you. (laughs) I myself have struggled with scarcity and done lots of work to plug back into sufficiency and faith and belief around money and take action to put myself in a better financial situation. And yeah, it takes effort. It takes work. And it's not just about money. It's about the energy that you're holding about money and your connection to the true source of abundance. So again, 
if this sounds interesting to you or you feel the nudge or you have been waiting for something to help you get your money together, get your money, honey, then consider joining us. Registration is open. Payment options are available if you need them. So go to my website, www.rosekincaid.com forward slash abundantly being to register. We start in two weeks in October, y'all. So get in there if you're going to get in there. Okay, so let's talk about money, y'all. We got to talk about it. So I want to first start off by sharing a little bit about my money story, (laughs) my story with money, because it'll kind of give context to all of this and help you guys identify and relate to the struggle of money. Um, I did not grow up rich. I grew up in a um, a rural working town in North Carolina. Both my parents worked. Hell, all my family worked. My dad was a corrections officer. My mom was a factory worker. My um, my grandparents worked in the factory. I mean, that's mainly because that was all that was really there available to them um, in the area that, that I grew up in. It was either that or farming or mechanic work. Um, and so all of my family worked and I remember not like feeling like we were poor, but I just knew that money was limited for us and I could feel that. And I witnessed that in how my parents, um, managed money. I could remember my mom, um, talking about having to rob Peter to pay Paul. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, you know, parents say stuff when we were kids and I'm like, what What the hell does that mean? And I could see the frustration and the tension, you know, in my parents' faces when, um, you know, it would come time to pay bills. Um, I can't remember if our, if our electricity got cut off, but I do remember having to like always open up the stove the oven to like get heat to come around the house. It might've been a snowstorm, but anyway, anytime, anytime I needed anything, like there was a period of time that had to pass before my parents came through with that because they had to move things around. They had to see, we gonna have to see maybe later, not today. And I find myself saying that to my child <laughs> sometime because she, listen, she thinks that like we own Target and like we don't I have to tell her we are not going to Target today. And I don't and and because I've always heard, you know, we, we don't have enough money for that today. We're not getting that today. I repeat that same thing to my child um all the time. And I don't and part of me is like I don't want her to grow up thinking that we don't have. We don't have enough money. But I don't want her to be running around here thinking about everything she sees. She got to buy too. Like, that's not correct either. And so I also grew up like around, I went to a predominantly white high school. And so the area that I grew up in, again, like I said, was rural. But there was an area of town where you had kids who lived in nice houses, had pools in their backyard, took vacations, um, you know, yearly or a couple times a year and I I always felt that like on the inside of me I always felt like well 
I can't truly be friends with these people because I'm not rich or I don't have what they have. And it wasn't that they made me feel that way, but they all kind of just kind of clicked up and, and, and grew up in groups. But And it wasn't until I got into um, sports that I started to see behind the scenes of people that I thought was rich, right? And and I could, and then it kind of like drove home the fact that, okay, we're not poor, but we're not exactly rich either. And I asked my mom, are we poor? And, and she told me like, no, we're all right. I'm like, well, what is all right? Like, what, what is, what is all right? We're, we're making it basically. We can make ends meet, but it takes effort for us to do that. Whereas other parents who other kids whose parents were doctors or lawyers or owned their own businesses, um, whose mom was a stay-at-home mom, didn't have to work on, they worked in, you know, as paralegals in law offices, they didn't have to worry about, or it seemed like they didn't have to make, you know, um, ends meet. And all of those experiences kind of helped shape my belief around money. Like I, I started to believe that if I don't hold on to this money, it's never going to come or I'm never going to have money. So I'm going to hang on to everything that I have. And it made me feel like, you know, limited with money. I had the penny pinch, even, you know, in college and um, even after college, I, I used to be very um, meticulous about budgeting and I could make like, $30, $40 stretch at the at the at the grocery store. And I even used to have a smoking habit and I quit smoking not because it's a bad habit, it's bad for your health, it causes cancer. Shit, I stopped smoking because buying, you know, uh two packs a week at five dollars got to be expensive for my budget. So <laughs> I couldn't afford to smoke. And so I quit smoking cigarettes because I couldn't afford it anymore. I felt like I couldn't afford it anymore. Now, granted, smoking is bad, but it's crazy now that I think about it that, you know, I didn't think that my health was the priority for me to um, quit smoking. It was the money. And so I, um, a lot of things started to shape up for me around my belief system um, around money that caused me to like live in this poverty consciousness or scarcity consciousness. And even after being married, I um I was funny about like coupling our money and joining our finances. And I was very uh curious about my husband's finances, as you should be as a single woman. Like that's important to know. You need to understand what you're walking into, you know, when you're dating or engaged or about to partner with with someone you know what is your financial situation and how how is it going to impact my good credit you know all of that stuff I I I was concerned about and money had always been at the forefront of my mind about affordability and budgeting and all of that stuff so it it caused me to like um perpetuate this tight grip on money that I saw circulating around in my family as a value like we weren't rich and we didn't grow up rich and you know I'm a black woman so 
that, you know, that tells you most of what you need to know about, you know, growing up with money, you know, you, you don't necessarily, I didn't grow up with an inheritance or, um, you know, generational wealth. We had to create that shit <laughs> on our own by working hard. Like that's another thing. Working hard gets you paid. Working hard makes you rich. And as I, you know, got older and started to see other examples, I, you know, I started to question. I'm like, what the fuck? I got to be, you know, working like a Hebrew slave out here just for these coins, you know, just for half of what my white counterparts or a fraction of what my counter, my white counterparts are making. Like, I'm just as educated. I went to school too. And it just, you know, I started to just question a lot of things. So let's change gears for a minute and let's talk about what money is, what it actually is. And y'all know what I'm going to say. Money is energy because everything is energy. Scientifically, if you boil it all down and you look at everything under a microscope subatomically everything is energy <laughs> and when it um when it starts to uh, group together it's light and so money is just uh, uh is really a shitty proxy for for energy is a tangible manifestation of abundance and it's uh, uh something that we have not only energetically, but physically have assigned value to. And I think that in my experience, we have overvalued money to the point where it has started to not start it, but it's caused separation within our society where, you know, we disregard the homeless in some ways, meaning that in the, in the more, wealthier parts of town we tend to push push poorer people that's what I'm trying to say we tend to push poorer people or the homeless to the outer skirts of um of the cities and towns and I know that's you know not the case in some areas because there I know that there are millionaires who still wear uh plaid shirts and um overalls and drive a full a beat up four pickup truck and you would never know that they sitting on a gold mine so that's not what I'm talking about but overall society in society we tend to shade and put um put this bad and negative um connotation on people who don't have money or who don't have as much money or who aren't rich and so you know Again, money is just like anything else. It's energy. And if somebody tells you that money don't grow on trees, they're telling you a lie because money is made of paper. Paper comes from trees. So yes, money grows on trees. So just for a minute, I want to talk about scarcity because I mentioned that earlier, scarcity and poverty mindset. So y'all know I like a good definition. And I want to define scarcity for you just to like give some clarity and some context around what we're talking about today. So scarcity is defined as as, as an economic concept that refers to the basic fact of life that there exists only a finite amount of human and non-human resources, which is capable of only producing a limited maximum amount of economic goods. Now, notice I said the words uh, finite 
limited. <laughs> that is scarcity. Things that are finite have have a beginning and an end, and they are limited. That is the mindset of scarcity where you only think that there is never enough. And that's one of the the three scarcity myths that I want to kind of dig into a little bit today. That there's not enough. That we believe that there's not enough to go around when there is. This scarcity is used, uh, you know, in, in TV, in business, in marketing to control the masses. You know, it like, I, I really do think that <clears throat> the government, and I'm not trying to, you know, overthrow the government or anything, but look at it, though. Like, it's it's used to control people's spending. Like, even with the uh, um, 401k con- contributions and IRA contributions, you know, there's federally a limited amount of money that you can put into your own savings. There's a, th- that's control. For someone to tell you, you can only put this amount of money to the side for yourself. And, and, and you know, we use scarcity as a way to, to facilitate that, that belief, that, that mindset. Also used to create division and increase separation amongst people. You got the upper class, middle class, lower class. That all creates division. And we perpetuate that kind of thinking by believing that there is separation when really, again, if we all come from source, there is no division. There is no separation. And that myth that there's not enough is also the belief that you're not enough. And that there's shame around providing and having. But source says that you are enough. So why don't we believe that? Why don't, why don't we believe that we are enough as we are and that we need money to tell us or categorize us as having enough? Interesting. Something to think about. The second myth is that more is better. That the perception of having more says that you are better. <laughs> more is better is also hoarding. It turns into hoarding. It turns into overconsumption and overambition. You having to do more to keep what you have. You having to be more to be more. And it skews our sense of like this idea that more is better. It skews our sense of abundance that being abundant is enough like all of this flossing and being hood rich and you know uh taking these trips and going on all of these lavish vacations when you got a pile of bills sitting at home or you pushing a a, a bentley but you still living in an apartment or you know what i'm saying like when, when is when when is that gonna be enough and that whole more is better thinking it also brings in this element of competition where we're judging each other and and you know failure 
comes into play. Like if we don't have this, if we don't have more than the next person, then we failed. Or if we don't, you know, have a certain amount of money in our bank account, then we're not as good as. And the other thing that this more is better myth does, it takes you out of your, it takes you out of gratitude, which is really a key component of manifestation and abundance. Like, if you aren't able to be grateful for what you have, and I'm not talking about being grateful to the point where, you know, you are denying yourself of more, right, you know, in in the right ways, but it takes you from focusing on, look at all that I already have, and I'm grateful for that, and this is enough. And now, yeah, I'd like to have more or something different, but I'm grateful. Like when you look at like always getting, getting money, getting money, getting money, get money. If you're, if that's your thinking all the time and that is what's motivating you all the time, then when do you have time and the space to look around and look at all the shit you got that somebody else doesn't have? So yes, it takes you out of, out of gratitude and it blocks your, your, manifestation of pulling more and calling more in because if you feel like you need more and more is better then where are you gonna like you 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 won't have room enough to receive more if that's if more is what you want and it creates this need this desperation like it might not look like thirst but it is and and thirst and desperation can look several different ways and it and it puts you in this distrust in source to provide for you what it is that you actually need and when you need it because time I know time is a factor here which is another conversation for another day but needing it having to have it like really do you especially when you already have more like do you need more like how 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 rich can you be like I'm sure listen I Give me some and I'll tell you. But again, if I were a rich person, like when is enough enough? Like I'm looking at these TV shows. Yeah, listen, y'all know I like to watch my housewives. And I'm particularly like fascinated with the housewives of Dubai because it's like these bitches is rich as fuck. And it's like, how much more rich do you need to be? Like at some point like what you gonna do with all of that because when you die you can't take it with you unless you're just gonna be buried with a bunch of gold and coins and even still that's not doing anything that's not helping that's not circulating wealth and prosperity and abundance so how how like how much more do you really need when when is enough enough no shade no judgment i'm just asking when when is enough going to be enough if you are functioning on this scarcity myth that more is better is it because it's not when it's clock when your house becomes decluttered and you got a pile of clothes sitting in the corner a bunch of toys like like some of us do for our children it's like i can't fit any more into this space the third myth of scarcity is the belief that well this is the way it is settling this is how it is let me tell you what that does that takes you out of your creatorship that takes you out of you being the manifester and creating 
for yourself. That also makes you complacent in accepting that things, accepting things that you wouldn't normally accept. Like you become a little bit of a doormat and just lay down and just let life happen to you when you have the ability and the power to create, to shift, to change. Like you are not a victim, okay? You you are not a victim, and that's what this 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 is the way it is mentality creates that false belief that perpetuates that victimhood that i i am a victim of my financial situation i'll never be able to get out of it well listen um if you think it's so it will be so if you think you'll never be able to uh get out the mud and overcome uh of financial hardship or get out of debt if that's what you believe, then that's what will be. And so just know that things will change when you take the steps to change them. Like, yeah, things are going to continue to be the same in the way they are until you do something about it. So those are your three myths of scarcity. And how these mindsets affect how we behave with money are many. <laughs> these myths, this scarcity, it affects how we spend. Like some of us won't spend at all. And some of us, as soon as we get a check, it's gone. Like even before we get it, it's gone. That whole, you know, I got to have more, I got to have more money be gone before you before the money even hit the hit the bank account or before you even make it to the teller's uh drive through at the bank overspending this scarcity mindset can lead to hoarding like i said more 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 leads to clutter 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 and not only does having an overabundance of things clog up your space but it clogs up the energy too like think about the last time you cleaned out your closet or you cleaned out the refrigerator that's a good one think about how that felt how the energy just flowed and, and how it looked and like oh gosh I can actually see the back of the refrigerator I can actually see through my closet I can actually see what's on the floor that whole hoarding and over accumulating things that clogs up your energy not just the energy in your space but the energy for more energy to flow in and flow out especially flow in scarcity mindset also brings up fear i talked about just a few minutes ago you know the fear of something being taken away and so we clench tightly onto it or we won't exercise our benevolence and give because we are fearful that we won't get it back it also scarcity also affects our our worth like we gotta decouple this whole money and self-worth thing that if i don't have uh if i'm not making a certain amount of salary or if i'm not holding a certain amount of money then i'm not worthy i ain't shit i'm no good i'm not, this person's better than me your worth is not tied up into a C note or a certificate of deposit or a Bitcoin. That don't 
that that does not define your worth. Like you are worthy because you exist. Like we have to really start to get back to source. And that's what scarcity mindset does. It creates not only this division amongst ourselves as humans, but it creates this separation from us and source. Not that source leaves us, not that God is ever leaving us, but but we need God. <laughs> we we put we create that division between ourselves and God when we start to doubt, we start to be fearful, any type of shadow around victimhood, scarcity, all of that stuff like disconnects us from source. So what are some things that we can do to improve our relationship with money? Well, first of all, you can get into the Abundantly Being program with me and Julian Crossing Hill to get some support doing the work to heal you and your money. That's the first thing. The second thing you can do is start to reconsider the source of your money. Like take away the job. Take away the tithing, <laughs> take away the giving, take away the lottery, take away you getting money from the state, take away you getting money from your partner or your spouse and, and, and reconsider where does my money come from? Where do my resources come from when I am in need? of money, resources, or anything, like where does it come from outside of all of those things that I just listed? And if you look, you ain't even got to look deep at it. If you look at it, it's source. It's God. It's always been God. It's, and it will always be God. The other thing that we can do to improve our relationship with money is start adopting a sufficiency mindset that you are enough. You have enough. There's always enough to go around. You will always have. You have the tools and the resources. You are capable. See, sufficiency is the solution to scarcity because when you tap in the source and fix your belief, it all changes, it changes that scarcity. It transmutes it, that scarcity, into sufficiency because you know that the well never runs dry. And I'm sure that if you look back into your personal history, that you will see when there are times when, you know, right in the nick of time, and not even just right in the nick of time, but you have always been provided for. Like if you're still here listening to me talk, then you you have always been provided for. And you will continue to be provided for, maybe not in the way that you expect to be, but in the way that you need it to be. And so you have to look and start finding your own experiences in your own history of sufficiency, like finding, finding the good enough. Like, when is it good enough? Like some of y'all are brand whores and you won't... <laughs> I know I'm one and I won't listen to it. Uh, there's certain brands that I, I can't, I just can't use just regular, you know, giant or food line brand stuff. Like it has to be Quaker or, you know, Stouffer's or, or whatever. But you have to find the good enough and stop 
perpetuating that if you don't have a certain kind or certain brand a certain type or a certain amount then then it's not it's not good enough and you're not good enough are your needs met like start to look at look at that the other thing that we can do to uh improve our relationship with with our money is calm it the fuck down calm down can can we calm down can we please try to get our nervous system in check and regulated and work through this anxiety when we open a bill when we look at our bank account when somebody asks us for money when we go put gas in our tank there's this rise in us that we get tight chest gets tight shoulders get tight jaws get tight everything starts to contract and that y'all does not help bring in the abundance that you want so much because let me tell you what that energy does that energy tells the universe well she must like being all tight and pressured like this so we're going to continue to provide that for her because there is a law of equilibrium <laughs> that exists in the quantum field in the universe where the universe has to balance its, itself out. And anything that you put into it, it's going to spit it back out. It's going to continue to reflect back to you. So that so if you don't want the tension, the stress, the anxiety to show up in your reality, stop putting it out there. Calm it down. Breathe. Breathe. Start there. Breathe breathe and so hear me on this last thing and I need you to hear me good doing the work around money is not an overnight fix you are not going to fix this overnight you didn't get this way overnight it's going to take practice and devotion to start to unhook your old beliefs and limiting mindsets to start to see a change with your money. But it can happen. It can happen. I know it can. I'm not telling you something that I heard. Like I've been working with on my own money issues for a minute. And it can happen. But you have to start somewhere. And as I always say, taking aligned action amounts to nothing if your energetics are off. So maybe start there. And so I want to leave you with this food for thought. How can you focus on greater things if you're always worrying about money? And if you could have a better relationship with your money, how would it be? How would it feel? What would it look like? How would you feel? If you could have a better relationship with your money, how would it be? So that's all I have for you all today. I hope that something I've shared will inspire you towards shifting things with your relationship with money and source. Again, don't forget about our Abundantly Being group program for those of you who want to get a handle on your relationship with money and manifest more abundance. And if you want to connect with me on social media or work with me one-on-one, -on -one, then everything you need is in the show notes. Or you can visit me at www.rosekincaid.com. Thank you guys for listening and I'll talk to you next time. Much love. Bye. Hey, and thanks so much for hanging in there with me all the way to the end of the podcast. 
I hope you got lots of value from today's episode and feel more empowered and more inspired than you did before. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did doing it, then share it with somebody that might resonate with it. Also, I would really appreciate it if you could leave me a five-star review to help me get the word out about the show. And if at any point you have questions or topics you want me to riff about, as you can see, I like to talk, then I invite you to get on my social media platforms and just message me. And if you're feeling the nudge to work with me, then check out my offerings on my website. Everything you need to connect with me is in the show notes. So until next time, be empowered.